Hey guys, it's Rebecca Price. I hope you're doing great. Hope you guys have had a great night coming at you with another podcast. And um, I love when you read the Bible and it's it's stuff that you've read before, you know, over and over again. But each time, but like you read it another time and then all of a sudden it's like you've seen things there you've never seen before or maybe you paid attention and you didn't notice things and so that's I want to look at a passage today it's a very popular passage in scripture but um but I, I want to take the time and look at it and kind of show you some things that I'm I'm paying attention to about it because it's it's really cool um <clears throat> I'm going to be in Hebrews 11 and a lot of times the church will call this the hall of faith because it talks about people um, in the past that had faith. Um, they were uh, men and women of faith. And the whole chapter really centers around faith and why faith is important. Um, and we read this a lot. We talk about faith a lot. But the Lord has really, really been kind of hammering me on faith lately. <clears throat> Because I've been listening, I listen to someone who preaches a lot about faith. And sometimes you're like, man, you, you hammer faith all the time. But I, I'm starting to understand why. Uh, why faith is so valuable. You know, why people don't need to just throw the word around and, and call, and oh, oh, you know, faith, I don't know, just throw it around. Um, that it, it, it's an important thing, um, an important word. An important thing it has substance um and let's talk about it let's just dive in y'all don't want to hear me ramble so i'm probably going to read a lot of scripture today um we're going to read it talk about kind of what we're reading um if you want to follow along hebrews 11 excuse me and it actually if you have you know divisions of the chapters and stuff it actually says by faith <coughs> please excuse me okay so Let's start with verse 1. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for. The conviction of things not seen. So right there we have the definition of faith. What is faith? Faith is not in what you see, but it, it, but it is hoping for what is not seen. Okay? Um, and, and in another, in another uh, part it actually talks about faith and it says, For who hopes, who hopes for what he sees? Right? So an example of that would be, Let's say that I am, I'm being told that I'm going to get, um, I'm a child and that I'm going to get a piece of candy after dinner. If I can see the candy jar on the counter with candy in it, is it hard for me to have faith that I'm going to get candy? No, it's not because I can see it with my eyes. I can see it. It's right there in front of me. I can look at it, probably reach out and touch the jar if I want to. Uh, but if I'm told as a child, Hey, you're going to get a piece of candy after dinner. You know, as a child, the child's probably looking around for it. Well, where is it? You know, if it's not on the counter and it's not in a jar, but maybe it's in mommy's purse or maybe it's something that she got from the store today as a surprise and the child doesn't know. So the child's probably looking around for it. Where is it? Where is it? And one, and and wondering if they're really going to get it. It's testing their faith to say, am I really going to get candy? Because I don't see it. I don't see it in the candy jar on the counter. The candy jar is empty. I don't, I don't see anything. And so at that point, a child's going to have to decide, do I believe that I'm really getting candy or do I not really, or do I not believe? Um, and it's easy when you can see things um, to believe that it's coming to you, right? But faith is when we don't see, but we hope for what we don't see. It's the assurance of, you know what? I'm, I don't see this, but I'm, but it's mine. I'm going to get it. I don't see it, but I believe it. 
Um, I don't have to see it, but I believe it, right? So they start off with what faith is first, then move into talking about and showing examples of faith. So the very first thing that I think is interesting, it says, for by it, meaning by faith, the people of old received their commendation. By faith, we understand that the universe was created by the word of God so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. God is a huge fan of faith. And I'm starting to realize that more and more that God is a huge fan of faith. Um, if anything moves God, faith does. Um, and and God, God is such a fan of faith that God did not make the world out of out of something visible you know he didn't take like heavenly stardust and and or something and like and like you know mold the world and he he did it by his words you can't see his words you can see the effect of his words in creation but you can't see his words all right and so by faith you accept that the world, the trees, everything, the sky, the sun, everything was created by his word. It says that he spoke things into existence. That requires faith. I can't see God's words, right? We weren't there in the beginning of time. We didn't, we weren't there. We didn't hear God's words, you know? So we're accepting on faith that everything was created by the word of God. And I think it's interesting that in evolution, you know, even though people say it takes a lot more faith to believe in evolution than it does to believe in, um, than it does to believe in, uh, creation because of all the ridiculous impossibilities, you know, in, in the theory of evolution in one sense, it's completely the lack of faith because they cannot accept an unseen God. They don't want anything to do with God. God's not in the picture. Evolution is the lack of God. Okay. Um, and it, to me, it, 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 it's also the opposite of faith because they, they make up something. They make up a theory of how the world was created um, that makes sense to them. Because faith doesn't make sense to them. Faith does not make sense to the unbeliever. Right? And the enemy's a liar, so he's going to deceive people anyway. He's going to deceive people away from the truth of God. Um, but that theory... They, they tried to invent a theory that, oh, well, this, this makes sense to us because this came from this and this came from this and this came from this. And, and, and we just don't want to accept the fact that, that, you know, the world was created by God, by God's word, by him speaking, you know, by, um, by, uh, an incredible creator. We're not going to accept that. And, and you can argue for many reasons why I believe one reason why people accept evolution over creation is because when a creator is not involved, you're not held accountable for your sin. Um, there's no accountability. You're not accountable to anybody. You can kind of do what you want to do. You can kind of make up your own, you know, you know, your own reason for life and purpose and all that stuff. You're essentially your own God. Um, (coughs) but I do think how that's interesting that um, people reject faith because, you know, faith is, uh, you know, faith is hard. Faith is, is um, believing in something that you can't see. And a lot of times we're very visual people. We're very visual creatures. We want to see it. Oh, yeah, well, I want to see it. I want to see it. Show it to me. Well, I want to see it. Well, I don't believe it. I want to see it, you know. Um, when God calls us not to, to walk by faith, but not by sight, right? Um, let's keep going. So it says, by faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commended as righteous, God commending him by accepting his gifts. And through his faith, though he died, he still speaks. So what's interesting about that is it's talking about the power of faith, 
So Abel's sacrifices, it says that um, he had a more acceptable sacrifice than his brother. And, um, And it was commended as righteous by God. And even though Cain murdered Abel because of it, you know, Cain in sin, he rose up, he was jealous of Abel, and he murdered his brother. It says that even though Abel died, didn't get to continue living his life, that his faith still speaks, which it does. I mean, we're still, we still read about it today. I'm still teaching on it today. And think about how long ago this was, right? So it talks about when, when someone operates in faith, it's a big deal. And in fact, it's such a big deal to God that he included this whole section of scripture. And he talks about faith many other times in the Bible. But just this, this chapter and section on faith is to me shows how important God wants to stress this and like pay attention, pay attention to this. Right. So, um, it also talks more, it talks about Enoch and, uh, and everything like that. So then it goes and it says, and without faith, it is impossible to please him. Now listen to that. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. That makes faith very big. That makes faith a very big thing. Faith has just been taken from the bottom and moved like towards the top of huge. Um, And it also, it also shows that it is possible for God to be displeased with you. Some of you, oh, God's not going to be, will never be displeased with us and never this. Well, according to this right here, it says without faith, it's impossible to please him because it says for whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. If you're going to draw near to God, you have to believe that he exists in the first place. The Bible says, draw near to me and I will draw near to you. Well, in order to draw near to him, you've got to believe that he exists. And that he rewards those that seek him. All right? That's faith. I believe that there's a God that I can't see that I am going to pray to, draw near to. I'm going to learn from, love, follow, worship. (coughs) And I believe that as I seek him that he rewards that. All right? But that is talking about the importance of faith. That's huge right there. Okay? Uh, We're going to keep going. It says, by faith... And some of these stories are just, they're things I just didn't notice before. By faith, Noah, being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen, in reverent fear, constructed an ark for the saving of his household. So, you know, it it really makes you think about the prophetic and, and things like that. At least that's where my mind goes when I think about this, because God came and told Noah, hey, there's going to be a flood. And... I'm choosing to save you and your family. I'm starting over with the world because everybody has just become insanely evil and they don't even have a good thought in their head, but your family is righteous. I've chosen y'all to start over with. He says, there's coming a flood and there is, uh, there's going to be rain. And I don't even, you know, I don't think that it had, that it had rained yet. I mean, I think that, you know, Noah's probably listening to all this and he's like, okay, what does this mean? Okay. What does this mean? But because God, God gave him directions. God said, I need you to build an ark. And this is what, this is, let me give you the measurements for it. This is what needs to happen. I'm saving you and your family. And I'm warning you and I'm telling you now, this is going to happen. You need to get ready. You need to follow my instructions. Did Noah have a choice? Let me ask you this. Did he have a choice? To reject God. Absolutely he did. Some people don't believe that he had a choice. That oh well you know of course Noah's going to obey God. You know like he was programmed. And we've talked before that Jesus. Even Jesus himself was not programmed to obey God. He had a choice which is why Jesus is so powerful. Because he never sinned. He never gave in to sin. 
he chose to obey always. It's hard for us to wrap our mind around that, but that is our Savior. That is Christ. And Noah in that moment could have said, ah, this is kind of crazy. I, I don't, I, I don't understand any of this. Um, and you know, I don't, I'm not satisfied with what you've told me, so I'm not going to do it. I don't want to do it. And he could have perished. You know, that could have been sin and he could have perished with all the other people. But Noah chose. He said, I can't see anything of what God's talking about. I can't see it. All right. I can't see what God's talking about. I don't know what he's talking about, but I choose not, I'm, I choose to operate not on what is seen, but what is unseen. I choose to believe God simply because God said it, which is going to Mary, you know, Mary, when the angel came to her, Mary chose to believe what the angel told her, chose to believe that she was giving birth to the son of God. It, she believed everything she was told, right? Noah chose to believe what he was told. That's faith. He can't see it. He doesn't understand it. He doesn't know. But God said it. I'm going to do it. God said it. It's going to happen. So I'm getting my family ready. We're getting ready. All right. Um, and it shows that God, it, what I think is interesting, and this could go off, this could go on into many different directions right now, but I think this speaks to the prophetic a little bit, that God will warn his people um, sometimes about catastrophic world events sometimes about things uh that are to come you know if 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 there's something he needs you to do to prepare to do whatever then i believe he's going to communicate he's going to communicate to you about that um <coughs> if you know i mean this involved noah noah was the fan noah and his family were the ones that were going to start the world over again because so god said i gotta i gotta tell you what's coming all right so under, and so it's really cool because I, it's like I see the prophetic right here where God is literally telling him this is coming and you need to prepare for it, especially through what we're going through right now in, in the in the world and everything else. It's just really interesting to me. All right. It says, um, moving down, it says, by faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive his inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. We've talked about this before. Abraham, to me is the Mac Daddy of faith because Abraham was not given instruction. Abraham was told to go out, but he wasn't given this, this, this complete blueprint on, well, okay, so this is what you do. Um, this is, you know, this is step-by-step, this, this, and this. No, it says that um, he went out not knowing where he was going. He just started walking. He packed up his tent, he packed up his family, and he started walking, right? So faith. He can't, I mean, it's incredible because he can't see this. God says, hey, I'm, I'm going to, you know, um, you're going to be the father of many nations and there's going to be a promised land that I'm going to take you to and, and this, and, and he doesn't give him any, he doesn't give him any pictures. He doesn't show him pictures and say, look, step by step, this is what you're going to do. Abraham just left. He went on simply the word of God. That is faith. That is absolute faith, right? And here's what's interesting. This is where we're going to get into more of some things that I've seen that I think is interesting. It says later, well, it says, by faith, he went to live in the land of promise as in, the, as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. Looking forward, you're going to see this, um, this kind of speech, I think several times in this chapter, looking forward. It really talks about visualization and being a visionary, visualizing 
things. He was looking forward. He was looking forward. He was in expectation. He was, you know, it talks about keeping your eyes on things above and not on things on earth, not earthly things, but on heavenly things. And that's exactly what he was doing. Regardless of what was going on around him, he's like, I'm living for heavenly things. I'm looking forward to what is coming because I believe that what is coming is greater because I can, I'm visualizing this. I know, you know, I may not understand it all I may not be able to really see it with my eyes in completion I I I may not (coughs) be able to see the whole promise but I believe it that's faith this is very very important to God and it's very important that we operate in it in a daily basis and it's a serious thing okay so it talks about many people it talks about Sarah and how Sarah operated in faith um and it says uh verse 13 talked about all of the ones that he talked about before Abraham Noah all that it says in 13 these all died in faith not having received the things promised but having seen them and greeted them from afar and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth well I gotta sneeze hold on (coughs) excuse me gracious so it says that they didn't even receive the things that were promised right so they had faith and didn't even receive it they died before the promise came to fruition before the pro- before they could receive the promise. They died, right? Now imagine that kind of a faith. Imagine the people that died before Jesus came. Jesus was the greatest promise, the promise of redemption, the promise of, um, of a Messiah. And there were people that didn't get to see him, that, d- that died believing in him. Right. They had faith and they said, we, you know, we're looking for him. We're waiting on him. But there were people that died that didn't see him for years and years and years. Okay. But faith, faith is extremely important. So even if you don't, that's what's crazy and what's hard for us to wrap around is we're, we are such, we are so results driven, I think in the U S and we're so big on, on, getting it, whatever it is, like getting our hands on it and getting our hands on it, that the idea of having faith for something in us, not, and us not living to see that, you know, happen, like get getting a promise for something, but not living to see that out to us. We're kind of appalled at that. We're like, well, that's not fair. That's crazy. That's this, that's that. When in the Bible, this happened, people believed in the promise And even though they didn't get to live to see it, it didn't stop them from believing it. You know, on their deathbed, they didn't say, oh, well, forget all this. I don't believe all this. You know, what a joke. I didn't see it before I died. No, they they still died believing that God is not a liar, that God is a God of truth. And they believed in the promise. They believed in what they could not see. (coughs) Excuse me. All right. So it says that in verse 14, it says, For people who speak thus, make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. So I'm going to go back to 13. It says, these all died, not receiving the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar. They didn't get to touch the promise yet, but they got to see it from afar, right? They, and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth, for people who speak thus, make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. So even the way that they spoke, faith involves speaking, okay? Faith involves speech. And these were people who not only believed what they saw, they spoke what they saw. And speaking is a very, very important part of faith. Speaking, not only does it encourage our spirit and build us up, but when you speak, 
speaking, words have power. Words have authority. And so when you believe something and you speak it, that's authority. That's power. This is what, you know, there are people that will throw around lousy, worthless words all the time or will joke by cursing other people or do this or whatever. I've done that before in my life. And not only does the Bible say that we're going to be held accountable for every idle word, but we have to understand and start believing that what we speak has power. So it better be life coming out of our mouth when it comes to our family, when it comes to our neighbors, people around us. Um, The only time you can speak death is when you are speaking death over demons, principalities, over the works of the enemy. Not our enemies, okay? Not the physical person. Because remember, the enemy, the person that you're frustrated with or that's in your life that's causing all the drama, they're not the real enemy. It's the spirit behind them. It is the evil spirit that is operating through them. That is who you curse. That is what you pray. You pray for the person that they repent, that they come to know Christ for blessings, and but you pray against that spirit you pray against the spirit that's operating through them the unclean spirit the works of the enemy the works of darkness that is who we're waging war on you know and this can go into a long discussion i've talked about this before but you know the person you know well what if the person has partnered with that spirit and they refuse to separate from it they refuse they they refuse to repent they refuse well then they're going to suffer judgment for that. But we still don't pray against the person. We pray against the enemy that's operating through them. And even if you don't, and even if you don't, you know, <clears throat> if you know someone has a demonic spirit, cast it out, tell it to go. Right? Cast it out, tell it to go. And if the spirit comes back, if it's, if, if it's a, if they like to be friends with that spirit, if they choose not to repent from that spirit and they keep welcoming it back or they keep partnering with it, then that's a choice that they've made. That's a choice that they've made. And if you pray against that spirit, then they will, the fate of that spirit will, the fate of that person will align with that spirit, unfortunately. I mean, the wages of sin is death. But anyway, we will, you know, un- unless they choose to repent, unless they choose to embrace freedom, unless they choose Christ and choose life there and, and, and embrace deliverance and freedom, then, you know, they're making their choice because we have free will, right? Um, so anyway... Speaking is of a huge part of faith, declaring the word out loud. So when Jesus was being tempted in the wilderness by Satan, he didn't just say stuff in his head. He spoke the word. God, if God uses his words to create the world and what we see, then why in the, why would we not think that it's important for, that our words are not important? We're made in his image. We're made in the image of God. We're sons and daughters of God. If you, if you've received Christ, you are a son and a daughter of God. Why in the world would we think that if his, if we're made in his image, that his, that if his words were used to create the universe, that our words have no power. Why would we think that? Our words have great power. And so declaring our faith out loud is a big deal. Okay. <clears throat> I think that's interesting. I never really saw that before. Um, and it also said, this is also interesting. It said, if they had been thinking of that land from which they had gone out, from which they'd left, they would have had opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country that is a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. It makes me, it, it, it makes me think of the Israelites whenever they left Egypt. They kept looking back to Egypt. And boy, did God uh, talk to me about this today. He kept looking, they kept looking back at Egypt. There was e- there's even a portion of scripture where God took them the long way around 
when they left Egypt um, because he didn't want them to, because I think he, he didn't want them to see certain things and get scared and want to turn back, want them to turn back. He wanted his people to press on to the promise that he had for them. He had especially for them. And that's exactly what it's talking about here. You know, it said that if they, um, if they kept their minds on what was behind them on the land that they left, then they might've returned, but instead they desired a better country. They desired a heavenly country. They desired the promises of God. They desired what God had for them. Okay. Um, and, and not just, not just the promise of physical land, but the promise of heaven, of eternity with, uh, with God of redemption, you know, that that's the promise, right? So, um, skipping down now, you know, it talks about Abraham and then it said that, um, he, uh, it talked about Isaac, which is really, really interesting. We've talked about this before. It says by faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac and he who had received the promises was an, in, in the act of offering up his only son of whom it was said through Isaac, your offspring shall be named. He considered that God was able even to raise him from the dead from which figuratively speaking, he did not, he did receive him back. So let's talk about this a little bit. Go to Abraham. God tells you, I'm going to make you a father of many, many nations. And it's going to come through the offspring that I'm going to give you. I'm going to give you a son named Isaac. You talk about the test of faith. All right. The test of whether he believes the word of God or not. Because here's the thing. God then tells him to sacrifice Isaac. And Abraham is going, wait a minute, but that's who my offspring is supposed to come through. That's, that's where the promise is supposed to come through. And you want me to lay it down. You want me to sacrifice that? goes to the mountain <clears throat> and what's interesting is he tells the servants that cut that traveled with him wait here Isaac and I will will return to you later so already Abraham has it in his mind that they're going to return why because even if he did end up sacrificing his son which he had the knife in there he was ready to he believed that God could raise him from the dead his faith was that strong. He said, you know what? Even if I have to slay my son on this altar, God will raise him from the dead. Because uh, I know God. I know him. I know who he is. What What a great example. What an incredible example of faith. Mac Daddy. I just call it the Mac Daddy faith. You know, like, the, like the, 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 it's just great. Like, Abraham had some faith, you know. Um, and, and he moves on to Joseph. I'm not going to go through all of these people, but it, it just... It's just cool to see some of this and to really talk about it. Again, emphasizing the importance of faith. Faith gets thrown around in church all the time. Have faith. Walk by faith. Walk not by sight. But I think we heard it so much that we're like, oh yeah, have faith. But then when, when we're in a situation where we really have to have faith in life, when we really have to rely on what we do not see, when we really have to rely on and say, I don't see this yet, but it's mine. When we really get in situations like that where our faith is tested, all right, do we stand or do we fall? Joseph, one of my favorite characters, it said, Joseph, by faith, Joseph, at the end of his life, made mention of the exodus of the Israelites and gave directions concerning his bones. He believed in the promise. He said, hey, guess what? The Israelites that are in Egypt right now, they're leaving one day. That's the word of God. Take my bones with you when you go. And you know they did. He spoke about the Exodus way before it happened. I don't know how many years, but it was a long time before they actually left and were freed. 
Joseph said, hey, whenever you guys, <laughs> whenever you guys leave here, take me with you. Take my bones with you. Incredible. Incredible. I just, you know, I mean, he and he knew he wasn't going to live to see it, but that didn't stop him from believing that it was there. Um, it, it talks about Moses and it says Moses, you know, his mom set him on the water um, because uh, the Pharaoh was trying to kill all the boys and and his parents hid him until they couldn't hide him any longer than set him in the water. Pharaoh's daughter found him, raised him. But this is what's crazy. Not crazy. It's great. By faith, Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. By faith, Moses rejected royalty. Moses could have been the daughter of Pharaoh. He could have been a prince. He could have had riches, gold. He probably could have been worshipped as a god, maybe even, you know, because they had all kinds of false gods. He rejected that. He rejected that to suffer with his own people, to be mistreated. Because it said, instead of enjoying the pleasures of sin, because it says, he considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. You see, it talks about in faith, people looking to the reward, people looking to the reward. Again, um, keep your eyes on things, on heavenly things, not on earthly things. Looking to the reward. And this is something that we need to do daily. I'm starting to realize this is a daily practice. This isn't a one-time thing. This isn't a, oh yeah, every once in a while I'm going to think about. No, we need to look at this daily. Every morning we need to wake up and thank God for the promise of, for the promises that he has. The promise of his word that when we lay hands on the sick, they shall recover. The promise of the word that, you know, you've called us to make disciples and that's what we're going to do. You've called us to cast out demons and that's what we're going to do. You've given us the power to do that in Jesus name. The promise of heaven, the promise that thank you, that, that I have the promise of salvation, that I have the promise of heaven, that I, that I have your promises. This is something we need to do daily. I was convicted about that. I was like, you know, how, how, how often do I really do that as a child of God? It's really, really, really made me think about things. <clears throat> and it talked about, too, what I, I think is just so cool. It says, by faith he left Egypt, not being afraid of the anger of the king, for he endured to seeing, he endured as seeing him who is invisible. Right? And it says, by faith he kept the Passover and sprinkled the blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn might not touch them. You also see that faith is action. Faith without works is dead. So they're not just speaking. They're not just looking forward. They're acting. Abraham packed up his stuff and left when God told him to go. Noah built an ark when God said the flood's coming. Let's go. Get it ready. Moses sprinkled the blood when God said, hey, the, the death destroyer angel is coming. Um to get the firstborn, you need to do what I tell you to do. And he did it. He did it out of faith. He took action. Faith is action. It's not sitting down saying every day, you know, it's, it's action as well as speaking as well as your mind. It's action (coughs) by faith. The people crossed the Red Sea as on dry land, but the Egyptians, when they attempted to do the same, were drowned. Again, you see action. By faith, they crossed the Red Sea. Not by faith, they looked at the Red Sea and were like, what are we going to do now? They crossed the Red Sea by faith. All right? And it keeps going. He keeps going on and on and on. Talks about Rahab. Mentions um, many other people. 
And here's what's really, really interesting is this is what is accomplished. This is what is accomplished by faith. Let me tell you what's accomplished by faith. It says, verse um, 32, what more shall I say for time would fail me to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, of David and Samuel and the prophets who through faith conquered kingdoms. Listen to this, conquered kingdoms. This is what faith, faith in action can do. They conquered kingdoms. They enforced justice. They obtained promises. They stopped the mouths of lions. They quenched the power of fire. They escaped the edge of the sword, were made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, put foreign armies in flight. Women received back their dead by resurrection. This is what faith can do if we just have it. Not play church and act like we, if we have faith, this is what we can accomplish. If they accomplish this, you don't think we can accomplish this? And I look at the wars and things that are going on right now. Don't think that you can't make moves against the enemy by faith. You most certainly can. Faith in prayer, faith in in, in what you speak, what you proclaim and what you do. Faith. Look at that. Look at that. I mean, I'm, I'm sitting here going, you know, <clears throat> put foreign armies to flight by faith. Ha. Anyway, just not even going to go there. But it also talks, it also talks about how some suffered. It says that they suffered mocking. Like this is the persecution they suffered. Mocking and flogging, chains and imprisonment, stone, sawn in two, killed with the sword. They were destitute, afflicted, mistreated, of whom the world was not worthy, wandering about in deserts and caves and in mountains and dens. And all of these, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised. I mean, come on. Since God had provided something better for us, that apart from us, they should not be made perfect. So they didn't even receive the promise, right? And then he jumps into to chapter 12. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, in other words, since we have so many people that have gone before us, that have walked in faith, we have so many people that have done this before us, that have walked in this, they've made this their life, they have lived by faith, they have shown it through their actions, through their words, in their thinking, in their lifestyle. Since we have such great cloud of witnesses, what should we do? Let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. He's like, look, be encouraged by these people who accomplish these things in faith. Who didn't even see the promise? They accomplish these things in faith. He's like, you know, be encouraged by this. Let that, let that fuel you to run with endurance. The race that's set before you, looking to Jesus. All right, once again, looking to Jesus, looking, visualizing, looking to Jesus like they were looking for a heavenly city, looking for a promised land, looking, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. So now it's talking about Jesus's faith. Jesus endured the cross because of what was to come, the joy afterwards. He didn't see it. He couldn't see the resurrection before it happened. He couldn't see the joy, but he believed. He trusted his father. That's why he said, not my will, but yours be done in the garden. He had, a, he had to make a decision. Do I trust my father or do I not? Because if I don't trust my father, you know, and he, he struggled. 
You know, he didn't sin, but he struggled because it's like, I don't, I don't want to go to the cross. Like this is not, if there's any other way, father, please. But if this is the only way, then not my will, but yours be done. I'm trusting you that when I go through this and when this is finished, that you will raise me up. I'm trusting you. I'm trusting. I'm having faith in what I don't see. All right. It says, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Faith, there's a reward for faith. And even if you don't see it, there's a reward for faith. And Jesus, because Jesus had faith in his father, he trusted the Lord. Now he's seated at the right hand and he has all authority and all power. And there is no greater name than the name of Jesus. There's no name higher than his name. All right. So then it says, consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself so that you may not grow weary or faint hearted. Look, Jesus endured hostility. All right. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. He's like, look, you know, in your struggle with sin, you know, you haven't you haven't been nailed to a cross. Right. You haven't you haven't struggled to the point where your blood was shed. Right. So even the things that the persecution and things that we face and that we go through, it doesn't compare to, to Christ and what he went through. It says, and have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons? My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by him. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. It is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? So when God says, keep moving forward, and he's like, don't give up, don't turn back again to sin, don't do that, don't grow weary, what, you know, and it can feel painful because you're like, you can get angry and get frustrated and you feel like it's painful, but God is treating you as a son because every, every good parent good father and parent. It actually says parents in general. You're not a parent if you don't discipline your kids. And that's a whole other conversation. But that's what it says. It says, for what son is there whom his father does not discipline? God disciplines those that he loves. So when God does discipline you, it's because he loves you. It's because you are a son. Consider that. Be joyful about it. Consider it. Don't be weary. Don't give up. Things may be hard. But look to the promise. Look what's to come. And understand that you are loved by God. You are a son. You are a daughter. It says, so here, which is what I was talking about. It says, if you are left without discipline in which you, you all have participated, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. Besides this, we have had earthly fathers who disciplined us and we respected them. Shall we not much more be subjected to the father of spirits and live? For they disciplined us for a short time. As it seemed best to them, but he disciplines us for our good, that we may share his holiness. God doesn't just discipline us because he gets kicks and giggles out of it. It is for our good. He is shaping and molding our character so that we look like him, so that we can share in his holiness. He's like, look, I want you to share in everything that I have, in my promise and everything that I have for you. This is why I discipline you. This is why I correct you. This is why. All right. It says, for the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but later it yields peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. If you take the time to discipline your kids, which is hard to do, but if you take the time, you take the hard road and you discipline your children, it will yield peace later on. 
It will. Now, those children grow up to become adults, and do they have their own free will? Do they make their decisions? Yes. Does that mean that your kids will never make mistakes? No, it doesn't. But you can tell the difference today between people who have had discipline, who have been disciplined, versus people that have not been disciplined. You can tell in how they speak to people and how they respond to responsibility, how they treat authority. You can tell a lot, a lot by that. And as someone who's 37, I can say huge difference. Huge difference. I've worked with children my entire life and I can I can immediately tell you the children because children will their children are going to act out. All right. And you have to discipline them. Right. Children are going to act out. But I can tell you as someone who has worked with other people's kids for my whole life, I can very clearly distinguish children that are disciplined at home and children that are not disciplined at home. Huge difference. One group will act out, but they have respect. They respect their teachers. They respect people. Other group has zero respect could care less if they harm their friends, could care less what they do, what they say. They have no concept of, no concept of that. And that child that is left in an undisciplined state will grow up to be an undisciplined teen, which will grow up to be to an undisciplined adult. And we have a world full of those right now. So he's, he's really stressing the importance of discipline. And says that disciplining your children, though hard, will pay off in the future. Your children may even come back and thank you for some of the things that you punished. I did that to my parents. Some things that I wasn't allowed to do, I went back and I thanked them for. I said, thank you. Because I realize now, as an adult, you protected me in that moment. It was painful to me, but you protected me. Therefore, lift your drooping hands and strengthen your weak knees and make straight paths for your feet so that what is lame may not be put out of joint, but rather healed. Strive for peace with everyone and for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. And it goes on and it talks about um, it. Well, I'll just read it. I'll read to the end. It says, see to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble and by it many become defiled. That no one is sexually immoral or unholy like Esau, who sold his birthright for a single meal. For you know that afterward, when he desired to inherit the blessing, he was rejected, for he found no chance to repent, though he sought it with tears. So, I read all of this, all of, you know, this scripture to say, faith is important. Faith is important. Is a big deal to God and is something that we need to walk in, speak in. It's it not only needs to come out of our mouths what we believe, it needs to be in our thoughts what we believe. We need to meditate not only on the word, but on 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 God, on Christ, on what He's done, on who God is. And we need to put it in action. If we believe God, we're gonna lay hands on the sick. Because God says if we lay hands on the sick, the shower cover. If we believe God, we're gonna make disciples. Because we believe that God has given us the power of the Holy Spirit, the knowledge to do so, right? If we believe, God says, the, God says these signs will follow those that believe, okay, that have faith. They will cast out demons. So we should go cast out demons because we believe that God, because God says so, because God has given us the power to do so. You act on what you believe on. 
And this has been a huge encouragement for me. It's been a huge lesson for me. It's really been a lot for me to chew on and for me to think about. And honestly, it's really helping me a lot with, in my mindset, to fixing and correcting things. Because I'm looking at faith and I'm looking at this description of faith. And now I'm like, okay, I get it now. Now I understand why why some of my mindset is the way it is now I'm understanding why he's this guy's harping on this so much why he harps on faith and why faith has to be exercised like it does and so anyway I hope you guys enjoyed this we had a lot of scripture but hey I would rather read scripture than than you hear my voice because that's the it's truth. Scripture is truth. It's the it's the voice of God. It's the word of God. It's way more important than what I have to say. And uh, Hebrews eleven and twelve are um, they're great chapters. I go read them for yourself. Always read the Bible for yourself. Don't just take my word for it. Read the Bible for yourself. Study it. See what God shows you because there may be things that God shows you that He hasn't shown me. And it's always fun when God reveals the mysteries of His Word to you and helps you to see it in a different light. I love you guys. I hope you guys have a great night. And I'll come at you later with another podcast. Be blessed.